Three, two, one. All right, this is our 18th edition of our World of Lifting podcast. And today we have a non-powerlifter on the podcast today, special guest Ashton Hefner, 16 years old, from North Oconee High School in Boga, Georgia. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about your, your football. So how did you get into uh, powerlifting with football? Or football well, and powerlifting? I've been playing football. I started back when I was in seventh grade as a little child. As a, then I just slowly did school workouts, and then I started working out every day with the school. And then until recently, I didn't really realize the strength I had built was any type of importance. And then I started looking around on social media and stuff and seeing that people thought what I did was impressive. So I started talking to some people and then they're starting to turn me on to powerlifting and they were talking about how that's something I could really, really exceed in. So I started thinking about it and I haven't competed yet, but I plan on doing it either this year or in 2021. Yeah. With this whole uh, lockdown situation right now, I don't know what the situation is in Georgia, but um, yeah, coronavirus hit, hit the whole damn world. Um, yeah. And it definitely affected powerlifters Everybody's working out in garages and buying all that workout equipment. How is your workout situation right now, though? Well, before we recently just started football workouts again, and along with that, I've been starting my first few sessions of powerlifting, like training for lifting in competitions. But before that, I actually got a small summer job and saved up for my own equipment and bought about – 500 pounds of weight and a Vulcan bar. And with that, I bought a Gold's Gym rack and did everything that I would usually do in my basement just so I could keep up with myself because I saw lifting as a big part of my life and I didn't, I wasn't ready to give that up just because of the virus. Yeah, no, that's good. But so in foot and so let's talk about football, football. You've been, have you been playing it your entire life? No, I've been playing it since I was, I think, 13, 14, whatever seventh grade is. I wasn't any good until maybe my freshman year. What do you, uh, what position do you play? I play nose guard and left guard. Now, I have no idea. Um, I know that like the the usual positions, like offensive line, defensive line, I have no idea what what you just said. So you might, do you know what that is? Next. The guard is the ones next to the center. They usually pull or down blocking and or they're usually not your fat linemen. They're usually your more athletic, speedier, little lighter linemen, stronger, because they're, they're the ones you need for support. And we were talking before the podcast, you uh, had the most pancakes on the team. Uh, yes, I actually got a golden skillet. They they spray painted a, a cast iron skillet golden and awarded me that at the end of the season. Is that a gag gift? No, it was it was an actual thing. Like it was just something we considered a physicality award, which means at, throughout the week, whoever in each position group, like wide receivers or linemen, during that game, as long as we won, they would give out physicality awards for somebody who maybe had a big hit or maybe did something really outstanding in a play. So with that, for me, 
I had gotten it so many times at the end of the year, they just gave it to me. Use that and skillet I, I, to cook stuff? Sir? You use that skillet to cook stuff? Oh, I wish. I would make a pancake. So a pancake is – so it is a tackle, a type of tackle? No, it's when you block somebody so well that they end up on their back. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, I pushed somebody out of the way so hard that they fell. Oh, nice. So you've done that how many times? Do you know the number? I think in the season, I got uh, – the 12-game season, I got close to 70. Holy moly. So so the football season um, is a fall sport in high school, I think, right? Yes. So you just missed the lockdown, so you were good? You completed the season? Yes. The uh, – no, uh, football is around – I'm sorry, I, I – this football starts in the spring and ends in the winter. Oh, is spring like the the preseason training? Yes. So, oh. like, around April or so, they start doing workouts. And then the usually the first day of the season is August something, whatever is scheduled and whenever. And All then right. it usually – Well – now we got to transition to the bulk of the podcast, which is the sport that you are getting introduced to. And I'm happy to guide you through powerlifting. So do you know, it's like I'm interviewing you now, but it's like, do you, do you know about uh, the federations? No, I know nothing. I know that I think there's one that's USPS or something. Uh, no, there's a USPA. Uh, that was probably that's probably what you're talking about. Um, there's US, USAPL, there is RPS, there is APF, SPF, there's so many, but, um, yeah, it's, it depends, like, cause you, you haven't trained with an actual straight bar deadlift yet. Wait, right. You haven't. I did it over the break that we had from school. So from about March to June or yeah, June, the beginning of June. Okay, so so basically the federations in powerlifting, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the reason why there are so many of them is because um, one federation could not agree on a certain set of rules. Each each federation basically has their own standards. So like you might, because it's weird, you might see one federation where a squat will be like a little bit on the higher side, but still get white lights. And then on the other hand, there might be people that squat like all the way down, but somehow still get red lights. So like the standards are always like different in each federation. And that's something you need to look into. Um, I'm pretty sure in, uh, I know down South, it's a very big, uh, big culture there, powerlifting, especially in Texas. Holy moly. Um, crap, yeah, I, I think USAPL is big, big down there too, I think. Cause I know, I know a lot of, a lot of uh, high schools in the South have powerlifting teams. I don't uh, Is your high school one of that? One of those high schools that do that? No. Oh, damn. They have uh, been told though, you can compete independently. I don't know if that's true or not. In the, but yeah, obviously, yeah, you can just go out on your own and sign up for a meet. I guess that's what they mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, first you need to um, train with all the different types of equipment because there's uh, deadlift bars, stiff bars, power bars, and for football you basically done front squats is very good exercise to supplement the back squat. So you're basically set on that. But all you, all you just need is like because there's commands in powerlifting too. Have you ever heard those? Uh yes. Last Saturday we um. Uh... We decided to go about as high as I could on a pause bench, and I kind of—it's kind of like a trainer, I guess. He—he he just guides me through my first sets, and then everything that's accessory I do on my own. And then uh, he would—he would tell me commands like begin lift and then press, and he would tell me if it would count or not. Yeah, bench press is—it's—it's um, it's a little tricky if if you miss a command because <laughs> you might have hit a PR but if you forget to wait for that rack command and you just rack it without them saying rack you just it doesn't count really so, yeah wow. there's three commands it's start press and then rack if you miss any of those you're, you're getting a red light so, how many there's three lights how many lights can you get before it doesn't count yeah so there's three lights. If you get two white lights, oh, well, if you get three white lights, obviously that counts. If you get two white lights and one red light, still counts. If you get two red lights and one white light, it doesn't count. Three red lights, obviously, didn't, doesn't count either. That's basically it. That's like majority decision and stuff. So there's like a okay. judge in the middle and then one on each side. The make sure, making sure your technique is as good and all that. Yeah, that reminds me of was it yesterday. Uh, Julius Maddox tried 800 and they put on the wrong the wrong weight. I'm telling you, man, the loaders that, can, you can't mess up during at at a weight like that. Not for a world record. Yeah, no. not for a world record. You can't mess up during a time like that. It's didn't he hurt himself? Did he hurt himself? I thought he was fine. I'm not sure. I, I just seen some stuff on Facebook. Oh, he might have. I know, like, cause when I saw him unrack that messed up load, he almost fell, and it, it like tipped over, and I was like, "Oh crap, did he get injured?" And then the, his spotter was like, "Yo, they're missing a plate." I'm like, "What? They're missing a whole plate? I'm like, what the hell?" But it's not that hard to count the plates. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess the because because the plates are thinner, it blends in. I don't know. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's crazy, dude. I like that one, that though. Yeah, because if they loaded it right on the first time, I think he, he would have gotten, gotten that. Yeah. And it's yeah, they definitely should not have messed up because like there were there was I think Sport ESPN was broadcasting it right. I'm not sure. I know I know that he was on his YouTube channel. Yeah, but yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, he'll get it next time though. Oh yeah. But anyway, uh. Let's talk about your your current maxes. So, let everyone know what your squat bench dead numbers are because they're you're 16 and it's pretty crazy. Well, as I'm like I said, I'm new to powerlifting, so I actually haven't been. I've only been training back squat for three and a half, four weeks. So, I had before that I had never actually back squatted. So. The most the most I could put up was five plates, and that was on high bar. But um, 
I think that'll be changing in the next couple months because the first week I could barely push up 405 and then three weeks later I was already comfortable with five plates. Yeah, and, definitely uh, something to get used to with the technique. Mm-hmm. And as well, the same thing with straight bar. The uh, the most I've ever gotten on straight bar for like a full pull was 555. And that's all right. It's like on trap bar, I can get 605, but because that's just something I've been doing since I was a freshman. And then for bench, I got 405. I plan on starting to use wraps. So, because I was the thing about that compared to other maxes that I've ever had is I was shaking like the entire time. Like every, usually when I'm maxed, I'm always hyped and like I'm very confident. But, you know, 400 feels a lot different than four plates because, you know, four plates, four big old wheels on there, you're, it's very nerve wracking. So, you get underneath it and you're like, you unrack it and it's pressing on your shoulders and it's heavy. So like, it's literally the heaviest you've ever done. So the, all you're thinking in your mind is what if I don't get this? So when I did it, I'm not going to tell you it was the the best form or a pause or anything. I barely got it. One side went up one side and then the other side somehow came up and it was just Right after that, it was just screaming. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Super so high. Happy. I mean, I, I could tell you this. I could give you advice with the, the mental aspect of lifting. Um, I obviously do not bench as much as you. I, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm experienced enough that, um, that, that I have developed strategies to help me guide through, through PRs. Um, I got a strategy from Coach John Gaglione. Um, if you don't know Gaglione, he, he coaches Larry Wheels. Um, uh, I've trained with him like a couple times. He told me before he lifts, he tells himself, I'm fucking unstoppable. I'm fucking unstoppable. I'm fucking unstoppable. Three times. And then just, just let your mind go blank. Just get out there and do what you got to do. Just just lift it. Don't think about what, like, don't think about, oh, crap, will I get hurt under this weight? No. Don't don't manifest anything. Don't, don't think you're going to get hurt because it might actually happen. It's especially like, like Julius Maddox, 800 pounds. You can easily tear a peck with that weight, but oh, yeah. it's got to be in your head. You got you to be mentally prepared for it. Yeah, it's, it's insane that somebody can do that raw. Yeah, most definitely. It's crazy. Because the, the record was held for, I think, four or five years before Maddox came and just broke it. What was it, yeah. 725 in pounds? I thought it was 737, the Russian guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something like I, I don't know what he did, but it was crazy. Uh, 340 ki- kilos or something. And then I saw there was an all, there's a new all-time world record, like, equipped. It was 1,106 pounds. Oh, my God, yeah. He had, like, a five-ply bench shirt on, though. Yeah, but it's still respectable. I could still respect yeah. that. You're still having to push up a lot of weight. Anyway, so when you have you so when you you, you squatted, so are you st- so are you in a transition phase from high bar to low bar? Um, I've never once done low bar in my life, so that's actually what I'm going to be working on tomorrow. 
and I'm going to be spending about two hours in the gym just getting myself comfortable with it. Maybe go up to some heavy triples or heavy doubles. I'm not sure. Maybe, like, just see what I can do, see how it feels on my shoulders because I'm not very mobile in my shoulders. That, that is something I'm very lacking on and I need to work on. I do a lot of band work to try to counteract that, and I've, it's really apparent on power clean because I have such big hands. My hands are so long from the bottom of my palm to the tip of my middle finger. It's 11 and a half inches. Holy crap. So the hand flexibility is so off. And that, that makes me struggle in back squat because it took a while before I could even high bar because I couldn't bring my hands that far back. Well, low, low bar is definitely going to be crazy. Well, I, I can't squat low bar because I'm, I'm not built for it. I'm mechanically more adva advantageous in high bar squat. But you just got to look at yourself. If most times, uh, in most cases, someone with a long torso with short femurs will benefit from a high bar squat. In most cases, someone with a shorter femur, uh, shorter torso, longer femur, they will most definitely benefit from a posterior chain dominant squat, like a low bar squat. So if that is you, then low bar squats will freaking, it'll, your squat will blow up. Like, um, I think the theory behind a low bar squat is um, the center of gravity is lower. It's activated. Yeah. String. And you, you activate like a bajillion more muscles doing a low bar squat. But the I heard, you can't do it. It's, getting on its way to a front squat in terms of muscle activation. Oh, there, there is definitely a lot of muscles being activated. It's just that in high bar, it, it requires a, a little bit more upright position. And a lot of people, um, they don't like that position or they just can't do it. Or it's a mobility thing, whatever it is, is that a lot of people um, do better with a low bar squat. But yeah, let, let everyone know how it goes, you know, when – the low bar squat. Oh, yeah. I plan on uh, doing – I watched your recent podcast, and I saw that Damien came on here. And um, I'm, I'm thinking about doing what he's doing, and he made a TikTok. He made TikToks, and uh, he puts it on Instagram as well. And I thought about doing that because I probably wouldn't even be considering doing powerlifting if I hadn't really met that guy. Because, like – didn't really know yeah well he's uh he is one of these probably one of the strongest 16 year olds i've ever seen like this generation is going to be crazy i agree and, and he he's told me to get some elbow wraps and see what i can bench with those because he said it made a world of difference for him because yeah. i it's I hope so, because I did order them. I ordered the ones that Larry Wills represents. So, I feel like I you those help out a lot. I feel like elbow wraps should be something you transition to after, like maybe a couple of years of bench pressing, because it is heavy duty equipment. And I've well, been like benching. I was a little kid. I just started using uh, wrist wraps this year. Oh, I've those those are those are great. Good, right? I, I was always really good at it I, in eighth grade I did 240 which doesn't sound like a lot in general but like for an eighth grader who's not even in high school yet that's I think that's pretty well pretty well out you bench press 240 in eighth grade mm -hmm. and as a freshman 335 
and then sophomore it was 360 or halfway through my sophomore year it was 365 which I got very very easily it's on my Instagram um, that was you as a sophomore mm-hmm. oh my god I just got out of the sophomore year that was five months ago and I haven't until I did 405 I haven't really maxed again because you know I've been following the school's program and they determine when we max. So I just maxed on my own. I got tired of waiting. So I did it on my own and ended up getting that. It was just insane to me. Like, I never thought I would be able to actually do that. You follow any programs? Because um, maxing out a lot of time, uh, like very often, is not um, usually the best choice for. Oh, yeah, I do know that. I've, I, I, yeah, I know that. Yes. Yeah. But you, usually, you know, like a good program, like a, like a five by five starting strength is usually what a lot of people go go for five three one. But then, like something more brutal, like a small of, um, like something I did. That was um, that's something that you want to consider, especially you benching this much at this age. Um, you might want to consider later down the road, but. I'm, you benched 405 at uh, what body weight? Say again? You benched 405 at like what body weight? 232. 232. Okay, so assuming that you stay there or go a little bit higher, you'll probably be competing in the 242 class. Yes, that exists. Yeah, I think 242. Yeah, 242 exists. Yeah. So the 242 class, um, and you're 16. Uh, is that sub junior? I think that's sub junior. I think. But anyway, yeah. But you plan to compete around next year. Yeah, you'll definitely have some crazy numbers. It's just that getting used to the straight bar, uh, deadlift. Oh, yeah. Did you pick I, a style of deadlifting? Huh? Uh, did you did you decide on a specific style of deadlifting? Conventional. Conventional. Okay. I do like conventional, and I do not like. I, I do it when I have to do reps, I do over under, but when I, uh, I like to use my figure eights, and I know in powerlifting you can't use those, so I would have to switch over to the over under. Have you ever tried to do a sumo deadlift? I have not. Never? Well, maybe yeah, so maybe work, work it in one day just to see. Is it easier? Um, if you're built for it, it'll definitely be a lot easier because the, the bar will travel a lot less. That's why there's a big controversy. A lot of people hate on sumo. They really hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, if, do you know who Kaylor Woolham is? I do not. Okay, so he he's like 220, and he pulled like 970, I think. Wow. And he he did it he did it with a sumo style pull, and every time he locks out, it's like the bar never moved. It's like the range of motion is literally like up and he locks out because his arms are so damn long. <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, that doesn't count. And I'm like, man, stop being a troll. <laughs> it counts. But yeah. <laughs> over, over, under, I, I stopped doing the, the mixed grip. Um, about a year ago, I decided to switch to hook grip. Um, if you know what hook grip is. Yeah, so... I've been transitioned. I transitioned from that. 
I got over the thumb pain just just to make sure like I just didn't want to risk my my bicep bicep tendon. Yeah, I heard about yeah, we do hook grip for power cleans. Those that hurts. Yeah, most definitely. But um so the one problem I see with athletes um is that family support. Um a lot of families do not support their kids powerlifting or especially football. Football is just one of those things that they're like, oh, God, a lot of head trauma. I don't want my kids getting into it. So how has your family been in this athletic career? Well, and I actually, other than hopefully I get into powerlifting and, and hopefully I do compete. That, that's what I'm planning. But, you know, who knows what the world brings. I actually play four sports. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of needed support from my family before I was able to drive. I would need to be taken places and all that. And both my parents working, that was very hard for them. So they did everything that they possibly could to try to help me succeed. And I thank them every day for that because without them, I don't think I would be here where I am. And they're always excited to hear what I did in the weight room what I pulled, what I pressed, they're always, they always want to see a video and I'm always trying to deliver when I get a new PR and I'm pumped up and I got a video on my phone, I send it to them first. And yeah, I just don't think I would be anywhere where I am without them. That's great. That's awesome. That, that is a great family support. Cause I remember when I started powerlifting, my family hated it. Until they started to understand it a little bit, but they, they were like, what the hell, man? You're just going to snap your back. All the stuff that people say when if they don't understand lifting. I will say that, though. There, I get a lot of advice that I – like old-fashioned advice. You know, like it's – it's some of it's – some of it's very helpful, especially since I didn't really know a lot about lifting, but I've been studying all of that kind of stuff. I want to be in this kind of field when I'm older. And the, sometimes the advice I get is a little outdated and it's been proven that it's not as well maintained or it doesn't work as well. Like, like what? Say when you're deadlifting, you know, you want to pull from the middle of your foot because that's the straightest line when doing conventional. Well, with that, it's been disproven that you don't want to lean back and sit back and use the weight as a counterweight to keep yourself from falling. I, 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 it's really hard to explain like that, but yeah. Yeah. That command will definitely kind of mess up people. Like, you know, they'll over-exaggerate it and fall, actually fall, fall back. Yeah. Cause a lot of people from the old times they would see deadlift as a sole purpose for a leg workout. It was all legs. There was no back. And as people know now, deadlift is very much a back exercise as well. Yeah, most definitely. Back positioning, um, where your hips are, where, how the hips rise, how, like how straight your arms are, how the bar pulls off the ground, like how, how close the bar has to be towards you. A very technical lift. It looks simple, but you got to get a lot of things right before you can do a legit deadlift. 
Mm-hmm. One little wrong move, and that shaves 20 pounds off of it. Almost definitely. If that bar starts to 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 push out too far away from you, uh, you're not holding that. You might you might drop it. Oh yeah. But yeah, that was. Uh, so what about your friends? Did like in school and all that? Because I know you, when I see you in the weight room with the football team, everyone's standing around in the crowd. Like, yeah, let's go, let's go. Yeah, I, I, my team is also very supportive. I've been with a lot of them since I've been playing football because I've been in the same school system. And at that point, they're they're just like my parents. They're very supportive. They can't wait to see a new PR. They're excited. They hype me up just like I would hype them up because it's not just me lifting on max day you know i have to bring i have to bring the juice for my boys too i have to hype hype them up and psych them up and get them ready to go and make sure that they can do as much as they can as well so i guess when they see that i'm i guess returning the favor of helping them out it makes them feel like they should do the same for me i guess i don't know because when I did the 365, that was an all-time school record. So, I guess a lot of people were excited to see that as well. And, yeah, just supportive people, supportive friends all the way around. So, is there anyone in in particular that you want to shout out? Um, <laughs> yes, actually. I want to shout out to my entire O-line. Be Zach Parr. Dante Callaway, Bo Stanley, Jonah Hunt, and Jake Bostorf. Those are the people that I'm going to ride or die with this year. That's great. So they they're they're the biggest supporters of your lifting, you would say. In in, in the I wouldn't school? even say that. I would for that I would say my parents and my coaches. But okay, they're the guys that I want to see succeed and that I know want me to see want me to succeed. Because as an O-line in football, you're usually very, very tight when it comes to, like, bonding. And I don't know. It's really hard to explain. You're just friends. You don't really think about it. You don't really know about it. You're just friends. Yeah, one of the great things about sports I noticed, I used to wrestle. And even though it's a one-on-one sport, it's a it's – a, you build like brotherhood, right? It's a, you build such a big, like a, like a solid camaraderie and everyone is like supporting each other. The coaches are cheering you on. It's a great community to be around. It's great, great energy. It's very contagious energy. I didn't know you wrestled. What, uh, what weight class were you at? Uh, I wrestled uh 182 and 195. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started wrestling this year. Oh, how was it? Is it fun? It was by far the hardest sport I've ever done. Yeah, it's definitely. Have you, have you have you had to cut weight this year? No, that guy was uh, wrestling two twenty and heavyweight. So it was my first year, so they didn't really expect me to cut or anything, and I, I kind of told them like, cutting weight's going to affect how I lift and everything. And at first, I was just wrestling because, you know, everybody wanted me to. But then all of a sudden, it started getting to the point where, like, you know, this, this is fun. I like doing this. So, like, 
it just it just became something I do now. So how did you do at the end of the season um, during qualifiers? I went to state. Uh, well, first I I did not win region. I got second in region, and then I went to sectionals, and I won enough matches to go to state. So when I did that, I went to state. I lost my first match. I just got too nervous being in that big stadium with all those people. I, I no, no, no discredit to him. He beat me fair and square, but I got pinned in my second match. I won. Um, I'm a leg rider. So that's not something you see as a heavyweight usually. Yeah. I never see that. What the? Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. When you're not as heavy as everybody else, you always got to have the upper hand somehow. Wait, so you made it to to the to Georgia State Wrestling Tournament as, as your first year wrestling. Yes, that's crazy. That's and really I was good. Wrestling up because I was about two fifteen at that point. So what's your what's your best takedown? You think? Oh. Oh, I got one. You know what a gut wrench is. Oh yeah. I um, I was wrestling this kid. I had never never beaten him in all my matches this year. It was really disappointing, but we always had really good matches. Out of three matches we had, they all went to the third period. They all were down to the last seconds. They were very 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 close. Um, three out of three times he beat me. And, you know, that's fine, you know. There'll be plenty more matches. So, when one of our matches, we were going over both tired. And then I got to the point where I saw I was down a point, so I needed to take down. So, he tried to go for a takedown. And as soon as he did, I sprawled and I dropped on, my, on his head. And when I did, I wrapped around his, his waist and just started lifting. So his head was down, and I and I had his uh his entire body in my arms, and I just tried to suplex over me. Ended up getting a takedown, but shortly after I ended up getting pinned. So yeah, well, it's a state tournament. It's very a lot of pressure. Oh, I yeah. can tell. I didn't make it to states, but um, I had to. A, a big reason why I left wrestling was because of my shoulder. Um. I dislocated my shoulder like a million times during practice. And I was like, damn, I don't want this to happen anymore. <laughs> and then I, I had to get surgery for my shoulder, all that, all that stuff. But yeah, wrestling was fun, but I can tell you during, if, when I had to cut, it was not fun. It was so bad. <laughs> like I've always seen me cutting. I just said, I don't know how you do that. I got to eat. Yeah. Cause you're, <laughs> You're putting on like seven layers. You're like, oh crap, I'm five over, and I gotta be on weight tomorrow. And then <laughs> you make weight like at night, and then you have to weigh in at like the night after the the night the day after. So you're basically starving the whole day, and then trying to make weight. You something like because you wrestle right after you oh, yeah. you weigh in too. Uh, and, uh, we had a state champion and a state runner up and a third placer. And they all had to cut weight, and I, they just looked miserable. Yeah. And then they gained, like, 15 pounds in within a week. After? <laughs> after? Mm-hmm. Yeah. After the wrestling season ended, I, I binged. I was so hungry. <laughs> I gained, like, 10 pounds back. 
in like the first day. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. that was a fun fact I didn't know about you. I didn't know you wrestled. But congrats on con- yeah. qualifying for state. I didn't, I didn't know you did that. Yeah, I play a lot of sports. My entire year is always filled up. Okay, so you play four sports. So I know football, wrestling. What else do you do? Lacrosse and track and field. Oh, what do you do in track? Uh, throw shot, put, and discus. Oh, nice. Which one do you like more, discus or shot? Discus. Oh, really? Yeah, because it goes far. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of heavier guys lo- love sh- love the shot putt instead of the discus because of the coordination. I never really I, – honestly, I would say that discus required more coordination because that's all technique. It doesn't matter how strong you are. There can be people who are 120 pounds and throw farther. It's uh, like as, as strong as I feel like I am, there are still people who are 130, 140, throwing 40, 50 more feet than I am. What? That's crazy. Yeah, there was a guy who came through our school named Kyle Poole. He he ended up going to college for discus and shot putt, and he threw, I think, over 200, 200 feet in high school. So <laughs> doing that as a high school senior – it was insane for our school in seeing somebody actually be able to do that. He threw over 50 in shot putt. I think it was like 54 or something. And he, he did this weighing almost less, like almost more than 100 pounds less than you? Oh, no, 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 no. He, he was a big dude. He oh. was, uh, I think he was about 250. But oh, okay. Yeah. There were people who threw farther than him, but not many. Yeah, I would imagine. He was good at it. Like he 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 made that his sole purpose in high school after before with grades and he quit football, which was understandable because he didn't he didn't feel like he enjoyed it as much as what he wanted to do, and he ended up getting to go to college for that, and it was so awesome for him. Uh, is he, he? Do you think he's going to try to go for the Olympics with that kind of stuff? Oh, I have no clue. If he does, he. I believe he could one day, honestly. Yeah, well, we got uh, – the Tokyo Olympics is canceled. Um, they've been postponed to 2021. So, and maybe he can make that, or, or if not, 2024 or 2025, if whatever schedule they try to do. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If they, if they keep that same schedule, it would be weird having it on an odd number. Yeah. I think they're going to go 2024. I'm not sure. <laughs> They might, they might just try to keep it back on track. It might just be, yeah. But anyway, so we see a lot of powerlifters that do bodybuilding with their powerlifting training in the off-season. They'll compete in a show or two. Do you think you'd ever step on the stage and post? Yeah, I've thought about that. And I, I you know, I've watched a lot of Larry Wheels and a couple other big-time lifters, and I was – I just – I never really can see myself doing that solely for the purpose because I like to eat. I like my food. I can't – don't like diets. So I just lift enough to wear it. And I lift and I run enough to counteract that. So I'm not just a big ball running around. But, like, I would say I see myself more in strongman if, oh. if I ever have capability to do that. Well, strongman, that's a that's a whole nother ball game. That is crazy. Well, you are allowed to use straps. That's a good part for deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Especially but with like, figure eights. I'm not saying that I would ever be that strong, but like if everything goes like it is now and everything keeps climbing and I feel like I could do it in my late twenties. Yeah. Well, there's a plan. Well, the only thing with strongman is like, cause powerlifting movements, they're fast. Even during the grindy deadlifts, they're, they're relatively fast. Strongman events, each rep is like hell. Like you're carrying stuff for like, I don't know, whatever distance you're carrying them. You're doing sandbag carries. You're, you're doing farmer walks. You're doing log lifts, log cleans and stuff. It's, Oh, the, the Atlas Stones, those are crazy. I, uh, that's one problem I have with deadlift is no matter what the weight is, I'm still slow. You're still what? Like, for straight bar deadlift, no matter what the weight is, I'm always slow, which oh. means, like, very, very just slow deadlifter. Like, you see Larry Wills, his 135 deadlift looks like his 600-pound deadlift in terms of speed. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, he's he's a very explosive puller. Yeah, my my four hundred five is just as fast as my one thirty five. They're both equally slow. Well, I had the honor of watching Larry Wheels and meeting him during his meet back in November, and uh, I watched him do his uh, his warm ups for deadlift. Insane! What an honor just watching a freak going at it. That's. You're getting on the verge of superhuman with that. Yeah, most definitely. Like, if he keeps going how he is, and I bet if he put on more weight, he would be very, very close to the the world record. I mean, he broke it already. Uh, I mean, all time. Yeah, all time. He broke that. He has yeah. um he has an all time record in two seventy five and three oh eight. Oh no no no! I mean in I mean like in a. I don't know how to put it. Not in a powerlifting meet, but like how Eddie Hall did it or half Thor. Oh, that's what you mean. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. He'll, like, he'll get it. You think then, so? I mean, I don't know. He did strongman for a little bit, and then he went back to powerlifting. We'll see because um, who knows? We'll see what his coach or what he what kind of decision he makes within the next few years. Because do you remember when he tore his bicep during the stones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You think that might have scared him off from that style of stuff from good? Maybe just the stones, but um, it was it was more of that he rushed. So that's how the tear happened. He 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 rushed it a little bit too much. It was like a timed challenge with the stones. See how see how fast he could like put the stones on top of the thing. And mm -hmm. like on the last one, the heaviest stone. I think he curled, he he like used his bicep a little bit too much and it just gave out. So I don't think he we'll definitely see him back. It's just a matter of when. I would love to see that guy pull like some crazy numbers. Oh yeah, I guarantee he's going to be pulling 1100 in the next couple of years. Next 5 6 minutes. So we were talking about Larry Wheels. Do you have any other inspirations in football or powerlifting? Well, not my dad, really. He squatted 680 pounds at 17 years old. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. 
What the f- he, he was – I watched the VHSs with him. It was insane because his workouts were very, very high volume. And, like, back then they didn't have as much science as we have now with lifting and knowing when when to work out and what to work out and all that kind of things. And um, so his workouts would just be three times a week squats. Five what time period did he lift in? Um, eighties, nineties. He, um, yeah, he. I, there's a VHS tape somewhere of him squatting five hundred for ten, and you can see it on his face. It's no problem. Like he's talking to the people who are videoing it, and everything. It's like. That's insane to me because, like, he wasn't – compared to his squat, his bench wasn't, like, world-class. It was 420 pounds, which is a lot of weight in general. But, like, usually when you see somebody squatting 680 pounds, you're like, that dude's got a bench 500 pounds. And like that. It's like just as comparison. Does your dad still uh, power lift, like lifting? Oh, no, he stopped in high school. He – I don't know. I guess he just didn't feel like he really wanted to compete. He was only about 40 pounds squatting that, so that was – Wait, he weighed how much? 240 pounds. Oh, I thought you said 140. I was like, what the hell? Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I was like, geez, did he have a world record holder? My God. <laughs> so he, does he lift with you? He doesn't, he doesn't do lifting at all yeah. anymore? He's got too many back problems. He's been – he's got a herniated disc and all that kind of stuff, and it's just – he just – he can't risk it. Oh. Well, if you watched um, the podcast with a guy named Jacob Hill, um, I spoke to him. He he has a condition with his back called spondylolisthesis, um, which is basically – I think he has four herniated discs or four slip discs. And a, and a fractured back, something like that. And he used powerlifting as his rehab. He just built more muscle in his in his in his lower back area, and he's doing fine. He's he's strong as hell, and he's and he still has this issue. But it's it's a lot better since he's doing proper deadlift reps and stuff. Yeah. A lot of people just when they when they see lifting, it's like, how can that be a rehab? You know, but. Lifting does strengthen your tendons. It does does give you more bone density. Obviously, in the research, it's just it's just that people look at it like it's they demonize it. It's old fashioned research. Yeah. Everything, all the myths that have been debunked, people still believe. Like a big one is that it stunts your growth. And it's like no. Is <laughs> the 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 thing is like a lot of the Olympic weightlifters like say. Say so China. China is one of the China is the best team in the world right now for Olympic weightlifting. And mm-hmm. the only reason why you see a lot of the gold medalists are short is only the reason because you have to the, the range of motion is less. They're the perfect build. Yeah. yeah. Not 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 that they're not doing any work, it's still like heavy weight, but it's like it's just that the, the range of motion is just less than they're and they're breaking world records, and yeah, it just, just so happens that they're short. Mm-hmm. It's like gymnasts. 
like people who make good gymnasts are small people. Yeah. But then, like, if you look at half Thor, he's six foot nine. You telling me his stunts growth now? Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's my argument for people. I mean, like, Brian Shaw has been lifting he was, since he was coming out of the womb, and he's he's six eight. Like, I think I think Half Thor and Brian started late. They did, right? I think so. No, Half Thor started pretty late. I saw a compilation of his deadlifts. And I like. Because I think you ever watched basketball. I know Half Thor did, or Brian did. Then I think, think Half Thor played. Oh, Eddie Hall was a swimmer, I think, right? Yeah. He was like really, really good. Yeah, that was crazy. He's like a record holder in something, right? I think so. Probably like, uh, I, I don't want to say he went to the junior olympics but i'm I, I may have heard that somewhere i don't know i would have to look that up well if you see him swim now it's like a big ass shark in the water yeah but it, all that stuff's insane and I, I, I never can see a person doing that kind of thing until like you see it online yeah it's it's crazy until someone actually does it like like the five hundred deadlift. Now there's two different people in the world that can, that have lifted five hundred kilos. Do you remember the period of time where, where people fought, um, sprinting a hundred meters less than ten seconds? They thought it was impossible. I don't really follow that much, yeah. so I would assume. Yeah, before. Yeah, before someone did it, they were like, yeah humans can't do that and then boom someone does it I now think it's yeah they got Usain Bolt and all that then I remember seeing a video or something that people thought it was impossible for somebody to run a, a sub four mile and then somebody did it and then now it's kind of like that's pretty common you see multiple people doing it and it's just Future generations, I don't – I just – it's crazy how eventually they just keep getting better and better and better. It's like you look at strongman competitions from the 80s and 90s and their their uh, their best uh, log press is around 410 pounds. Now it's – what is it, 495 by Robert Orst? Was the record broken again? I keep because they're doing online competitions now. It's weird. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I know. I last time I remember Robert Orr got like 495 or something like that. Some big crazy number that nobody should ever be able to press above their head. Yeah, it's just that there's there's one part of science that just they can't study. It's like the the willpower, the the heart. Yeah, like the mind is powerful, man. You can do so many crazy things if you just believe that you can do it. That's what I've been told about powerlifting, that a lot of it's just mental. Yeah, most definitely. I hope I hope I can get into powerlifting because I'm going to start beginning my training to break the 450 bench and become the first 16 – I think it – 16 to 17, 230 to 242 pounds. And I'd be the – so I have a year and a whole lot of months to 
figure it out and get it up. Well, you'll definitely like, get there. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy that, like, one day you're just lifting for fun, and then all of a sudden you realize you could be a world record holder one day. That if you just keep doing what you're already doing. Yeah. And like I said, I used to only bench once a week, but now I've started developing benching twice a week, squatting twice a week. Just trying to get myself to be as good as I can. All right. Well, this will be the last one before I close this podcast off. A lot of people, when they see you lifting this kind of weight, do they ever think, fuck, this guy's on steroids? Honestly, yes. Not like I'm in a lot of groups on Facebook and I post whatever I do on there a lot because, uh, and a lot of the guys are like, I'm not even sure what they are, but whatever SARMs are, S A R R or S A R M A S. Yep. I'm not sure what that is. I actually had to ask somebody on there. They said something about uh, some kind of booster. I don't really know. And then the only thing I do is pre-workout, which, I mean, is pretty common. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I do get that a lot because just – I, I give it freak genetics and then hard work and then persistence, consistency, feeding yourself when, even when your body doesn't feel like eating. It's uh, it's really – it kind of feels like people are trying to discredit your lifts. And it, it's really – sometimes it gets in your head and you're like, man, people don't really think I can do this. Like, But then you just got to keep telling yourself that's not what it's about. It's about you breaking your own records and you keep going no matter what. And you keep trying to make yourself better and not trying to make yourself better for somebody else. It's lifting's a great world, and I'm excited to dig deeper into it. Dude, when you do your first meet, let me know. It's literally the greatest experience ever. You make so many friends. Like, you're just talking with everyone. <laughs> I thought it wasn't wrestling. I made a lot of friends in our first duels. Oh, was, really? Yeah, it's, it's – I'm not really sure. So, like, powerlifting what do you have to wear i've seen people in singlets like wrestling yeah so you you wear a singlet um yeah you can't wear wrist wraps or anything oh oh okay now okay we're getting into this now okay so so raw powerlifting is usually the typical wrist wraps knee sleeves and a belt so you cannot wear elbow sleeves or any kind of elbow wraps. I think you're allowed to wear elbow sleeves during the squat, but for bench press, they must be naked elbows. Okay. Is that depending on the federation, or is that all of them? I think it does. Actually, well, I think – I'm pretty sure most federations will not allow you to wear anything on your elbows during a bench press. Okay. But um, then there's raw uh, – uh, knee wraps are still considered raw, but I th it's just a different division, just raw with wraps. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get all into the craziness of the, the, the equipped lifting, the single ply, multi ply, the, the squat suits and the bench shirts and the deadlift suits. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, but you're getting into raw powerlifting, so all you really need is wrist wraps, belt, and knee sleeves. 
Make sure you get good ones. Well, you probably have some already, right? I got rogue knee sleeves. I'm not oh, sure yeah. if those are. I just I just know rogues are pretty. For me, they were a pretty reputable brand. Like they they were always pretty consistent in quality. Well, I don't know if you would want to get. Oh, it's pretty expensive. There's a there's a company called SBD. Do you know? I do not. Yeah, it's called SBD. Their knee sleeves cost a crap ton, but they're like the best knee sleeves out there. There's also a brand called Ray Band. Um, what else? What are good knee sleeves? There's tough wraps. Yo, I don't oh, know. If oh, oh, um, uh, crap. Mark, what is Mark Bell's company's name? Slingshot. Yeah, Slingshot. Um, he has those the the knee sleeves. His knee sleeves are really good too. I've seen those on YouTube. Yeah, talking about. I researched a little bit on how sleeves help and support you during the lift. Yeah, especially coming out of the bottom of a squat. Compare compare that to naked knees. You'll feel so much more different. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But anyway, yo, that was the end of the podcast. Yo, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for being on, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, guys. That's a that's it for the podcast. Signing out.